0: Good morning. It's Friday the 16th of October and World Food Day. World Food Day is commemorated annually on the 16th of October and is a day celebrated widely by organisations concerned with food security. World Food Day provides an occasion to highlight the plight of 870 million undernourished people in the world.
1: It gives us great pleasure to introduce uh, rock star chef David Higgs. And uh, David, best known at the moment for Marble, author of Mile 8, which I have read. And I thought, David, we could just actually start with something out of Mile 8, where the the idea of fire and food has been an incredible journey, I think, for everybody. The the idea that you cook on fire, as someone who has the least resources, right up to the kind of very fine dining world, your choice to cook with food was based on?
2: So, you know, Fire has almost gone full circle you know as fire is where it all started and um, and to to be able to and if you look at what's happening around the world at the moment the, the buzzword is definitely cooking on fire I mean even Netflix now has got a, a dedicated almost channel to to uh, to cooking on fire which is which is quite incredible however um, and let's just, let's just bring it back to South Africa you know uh, if there's one thing that we all do um, and the one thing that we all love doing. Is gathering around a fire. It's not even. It's not even about the food. You know. It's initially the first thing is gathering around a fire, uh, and then what happens, uh, sort of around that, this beautiful spirit of community, almost. You know, the, the conversation that then flows immediately. I mean, sometimes alcohol has a role to play, and everything <laughs> else, but um, yeah. Uh, but I think that's that's really what we were after with w- with where we were going with fire it was that what is quintessentially South African you know and it's not just South African it's all over the world but you know what do we love doing as South Africans and uh, and fire was that thing um, and then and then to take it a step further you know the, one of the first things I remember as a kid uh, and the reason why I cook is uh, is going fishing with my dad um, from from my first ten years of my life you know and we lived off the sea essentially and then we bartered fish with farmers and hunters and so forth and you know so you have massive respect for for product immediately as a young kid because the head was used for curries and soups the you know the offcuts were used for fish cakes and and you know we talk about nose to tail and farm to table and everything else but you know in the 70s when I grew up you know I was privileged and I say privileged because we all lived like that, you know. There was a massive respect. There was no waste. The fat from the lambs were re- rendered down, put into enamel jars, put into the store, and that's what we used to spread onto our bread, you know. You know, and, and like, we forget these things, you know. And now people, you know, all these buzzwords and these marketing phrases and stuff, and it, it's almost upsetting in a way. Um, but... That respect for product really is what is vitally important. We need to understand how difficult it is and how difficult it's going to be going forward, uh, product alone. You know, whether it's whether it's vegetables, whether it's, you know, uh, meats and proteins and fish. I mean, look at the state of our oceans. Mm. So uh, that's why I cook today, is, is understanding that product and having that respect for product and, and watching my mom and my dad, you know, um, working with product. And there's no waste. Massive, massive wood, waste.
1: And opening marble, you uh, had some interesting uh, challenges with fire and the fact that it has a life of its own. It's yeah. something that you can't easily control. Yeah.
2: It was like someone cut off my hands. You know, I'd been cooking at that stage. i have been cooking for close to 30 years. Um, and and it's always pots and pans. And You can turn the temperature on and off. And, and, you know, the gas flame is always hot in a certain space. You know, it's always got a dead spots. But with a fire, it's a living, it's a living thing, You know, and it changes all the time, and and uh, so I have massive respect for my grillers uh, who work on, on on in front of these fires in the heat for a start, and uh, and then secondly, you know, they it's not like a griller where you walk into a restaurant, you switch on your on your gas, and then you know what's going on. You know, every day he's got to feed his fire, he's got to pull the coals through, he's got to change his grid, he's got to cook his meat. Th- it's a massive art form, and and uh, and that's why I have respect for cooking on fire. It's not it's not just the social aspect. It's it's also there's you have to have respect for that thing you know for those flames and those coals and that heat
1: and there's a level at which that sort of man flame food has enormous meaning to people i mean you've already alluded to it with your childhood um, there's job opportunities that come from it there's a level of social cohesion that comes with it for you what what is the meaning of cooking on fire and opening a restaurant like marble bean what do you, what have you tried to create as a community
2: look i think um the 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 mo- the standout thing with marble is, and and the reason why we did marble, and it was my 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 business partner's brainchild. You know, I mean, he came to me with a concept, with everything, the name, the lot. You know, um, but the thing with marble is, is taking something as primitive as fire, and something that we understand we can only do at home in the braai, and everything else, and bring into in into an environment that is that is quite luxurious and quite plush, and and almost mixing, not almost, definitely almost mixing the two getting the two together. Um, so, you know, when you walk into the restaurant and you see the flames and, and you know, there's there's almost this, this comfortable feeling about it. Not that you're walking into a fine dining restaurant where it's quite stiff and the music, and, but it's a theater, you know. It's theater. And we identify with a fire so immediately everybody understands and everybody relaxes. It's like a, it's a, an inner feeling almost, you know. Um, and sometimes you plan for it and sometimes you don't. And, and Marble just turned out to 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 be exactly that, you know.
0: David, you've been very busy during COVID, not in terms of the fact that your restaurants have been able to open, but you really have looked at your staff and, and Luke spoke earlier about a community who are very much part of your community and how you could reach out with the incredible skills that you have to give back and to really help your community, most of whom live in the inner city, yeah. and you did this, um, and you you partnered with the Inner City Can, and you did cooking for a cause, and you've said that those are some of the finest. I don't were they home cooks? Were they foodies? Were they a mix of people?
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so cooking for a cause was was really to raise awareness for the Inner City Can Collective, and the reason why I chose that that um, charitable organisation. It's because they work in in the inner city, which 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 has my heart. You know, if you look at the architecture, and if you look at the the, the beauty of the inner city of what Joburg really, I don't want to say was, but <laughs> what Joburg really is. You know, if you look at the Constitutional Court, that bastion that stands on that hill. You know, um, that building for me is everything. But more importantly, all all no, I don't want to say all, but most of my team live in 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 the city and. And we all know what happened during COVID and, and lockdown and everything else. There, there was a, a lot of those people were, were pushed aside, you know, and not looked after and, and devastating, devastating. I can tell you uh, um, COVID was such a double-edged sword for me. that was this 30, after 32 years, I had five months to myself where I could just sort of just unwind, which was mm-hmm. great. You know, it was, was life changing for me. Um, and but on the other side, I had my team that were that were essentially starving, you know. And I, and I and I'm not even exaggerating. We no. all know sitting around this table. There's no you know? exaggeration. Um, so yeah, <laughs> uh, that was that was the reason why we did cooking for a cause. And uh, and the people that that joined us on this uh, on this journey, uh, it was so cool because what happened almost organically. Was, uh, was that we got foodies involved mm-hmm. and we got, we got these, these bloggers involved. So they, almost they had a little release for and a, a little place to showcase their, their, their goods where they don't normally have that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was very special. Very oh. special,
0: and and the, the meals that came out were, were phenomenal. Yeah,
2: yeah, and the fact that it was actually delivered to my door half an hour later <laughs> was so. The whole sort of concept was was pretty was pretty special. Oh,
0: it was exceptionally well run. Yeah. and you said earlier that there's going to be another
2: cooking for a cause. Yes, definitely. We're starting on the seventeenth of October, and uh, we're going to do another five weeks, and yeah, and then maybe next year we'll see we'll see how it goes. We'll see how that but, goes. Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole thing with cooking for a cause is exactly that it is cooking for a cause. We need to raise awareness. We also re- need to raise funds and. And, um, you know, we need to, I think what COVID has showed us is how vulnerable Mm. we are and our teams are, you know, to to something like this. And there needs to be some other sort of like little saving or backstop Mm. or how do we get people through this? These times, if this is going to happen again, and there's no doubt it will happen again. Maybe not in our lifetime, but but let's put those measures in place. You know,
0: absolutely. You've also been instrumental with Luke. You've you've visited his kitchen at Fight with Insight. Yep. I know you've been a great inspiration to um, his aspiring chefs at Fight With Insight. What have you enjoyed about the young people from what, Fight With Insight? What have you learned from them?
2: Look, I think uh, there's always there's always space for, for doing more. You know, um, my, my background, um, especially with the youngsters is with uh, with deep where we are a, um, we've we've got a lot of these guys that that I was cycling with you know that I met riding a bicycle that that work with me at uh, at Marble and, and Saint and back at the Saxon and some of them are working at Stan City I mean there's a, there's a whole network of these of these individuals um, and not only that you know <laughs> you know when Marble started you know we we got young guys that were working on grillers in fast food restaurants that are now running the pass. You know, it looked very, very special. And it just shows you the, the depth of talent and, and, and real want in this in this country. Um there's also there's also unfortunately a large part of it that, that doesn't really want to work, you know, and that's a that's a very unfortunate part of it. And and uh um but yeah, that that unfortunately, especially in the restaurant environment, you sort of you try and nurture, you try and grow and if there's no want and there's no then then you have to move on, you yeah. know. Um, but fight for insight with with Luke. Uh, uh, two of his lads worked with mm. us uh, uh, for just before lockdown for a couple of months, and uh, um, fortunately, I, c- I was able to to help uh, to help bring one of them back. Um, the others, unfortunately, we went through a retrenchment program, and, and uh, you know, like I said, um, we lost half our staff essentially yeah. just to keep our businesses running. So it's not it's not always ideal. Um, but the one thing that it does it does um, highlight is the role that food plays with within our uh, all our communities you know mm-hmm. with all in our with our daily lives um, and that was all brought together by cooking, mm-hmm. you know. Let's not even talk about food. Let's just talk about cooking, cooking, you know, as a as a as a start, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going there and seeing how other mates of mine, other chefs from other restaurants, are, are getting involved and teaching about nutrition, simple things, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it's difficult because you weren't brought up by eating bulgur wheat or no, <laughs> or no. couscous, you know. You you know <laughs> pup, you know. But but it's this it's this uh, this transformation almost that that uh, that is happening, which is great to see.
1: Look, David, food is political. I mean, you know, we can say whatever we like. And I think that what COVID did show us, I mean, you and I had conversations at one stage about how we could actually get food into the inner city. And suddenly there was a restriction of the movement of food. Not only was our movement restricted in terms of people, but they were restricting the movement of food, the kind of food It was not allowed to be hot, then it was hot, then it could be packed, couldn't be packed, etc. And the other thing you mentioned was the enormous amount of waste so, for me, one of the big political things, one of the big political moves, there is there is enough food. The problem is is the food is not going to the correct places and there's, there's a monopolisation of the food production line that we need to attempt to undo if we are going to have food security in this country. How could the, the restaurant world and the, the, those people who love food be more active in an advocacy role to see that food is more equit- equitably and healthily distributed?
2: Massively frustrating time. Massively frustrating. We had access to all sorts of things, you know. And then you get the go ahead, and, and, and that's why I, I essentially um, joined up forces with, with Inner City Can Collective, you know. Um, because I just felt that I needed to focus on one, one thing, yeah. make sure that we can deliver that one thing, at least we can get that right. But immediately now you want to start cooking fresh food. Now you yourself, as a chef, start thinking, just how am I going to get it there safely? I mean, now I'm loading hot soup into a bucket. I don't have this facility at home to cool this stuff down properly. It needs to be eaten now. Um, And and years ago, uh, in Cape Town, in, in probably the first 10 years of my cooking life, there were always soup kitchens. There were always, always soup kitchens. And when we talk about soup kitchens, we talk about it was quality. There was a truck that drove around that picked up. Usable waste you know, and there is such a thing as usable waste and uh, and they were taken back to a central kitchen and was prepared properly and safely it was chilled or whatever, but then from there on it need you know where it where it then goes, how it's heated you know is is important you know um and I guess I guess that central kitchen needs to be as close to the point of contact as possible mm. to eliminate all of that all of those things you know. Um, I don't know the answers to 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 all of that, but I, I I do know that it's it's very easily done. It's not a difficult process. Mm. It, it just needs to be controlled properly. So there's there's definitely space for the soup kitchens to come back, but there de- there definitely be, needs to be some sort of uh, some sort of order, because mm. there's absolutely no, I can tell you this now, and you know this as well as I know. This, I'm not I'm not blurbing on, but there's absolutely no structure in order to what we are doing, mm. and there's and unfortunately with that comes no sustain. Uh, it's not sustainable. And we can't, we can't look after someone today and tomorrow is there's nothing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work that way, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I, I, like I, as I said to you, I don't, I don't know what the answers are I- I- exactly. But all I do know is that, uh, and again, you know, you can give someone a raw product and ask them to cook. You do it with your lads and, and you have this, this program where you cook together and it's, it's fantastic. But that doesn't always work. Then the food gets sold. You know, we can't, we can't sell that raw product, guys. You know, um, and it happened with food parcels. You know, all of a sudden the food parcels disappeared, or or.
0: Well, they sat in warehouses for ages and ages, yeah. not getting to the people who were literally yeah. starving. So, so,
2: as I said, just to start off with, as I said, massively frustrating, because I was really trying to find someone where I could say, okay, listen, how can we? And and it's vague. Mm. Everybody's vague, and you can't get involved with vague. You know,
1: sure. absolutely. Um, yeah, and th- the role of dark kitchens coming out of COVID.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean dark kitchens was a buzzword before COVID. Okay. Um, uh, very much so. You know, um, uh, central space where you can share and use and, and um, or, or rent out. Or you know, that's that's that's. Um, so, that's, so the people that don't understand what a dark kitchen is, it's a um, let's say a warehouse with a whole lot of equipment and uh, and essentially it it's not a it's not a, a full frontal. Um, you know, uh, people aren't even aware that it's there. You know, it's, it's a it's a cheaper space, so it's not on a it's not on a on a on a main drag or, or in a restaurant space or anything. That's a, um, but you can run brands from it. So you can essentially from one kitchen you can create four brands. Mm. You can make burgers, and these are all for takeaway. For instance, you know. Um, so you can have a burger place, a a, a pizza place, a Italian, a, a Chinese and you share ingredients and, and run four businesses from this thing essentially. And that's essentially what you're talking about, dark mm. kitchens, you know. But then also it then goes into spaces where different caterers have a space where they have a fridge and they have communal equipment where they can then run four different catering companies from and, and hire a space, rent a space. Um and then obviously we get into the, the, the charitable space where where um where when the kitchens aren't being used and so forth or or, or whether there's space within those structures to to then set up these kitchens um can be can then be used i i again to get back to something that is sustainable and ongoing and everything else i I, you know for me i would prefer to see something that's sort of almost established and a soup kitchen is a space where a massive amount of training can be done Mm. Massive amount of training can be done, whether it's knife skills, whether it's basic cooking. You know, if you think of frying an egg, you know, uh, or an egg, and how many ways you can cook an egg. It's how I started my career, is cooking eggs, you know. You've got to be sensitive to heat. Got to, you know, there's so many different ways of doing it, and, and you've got to be quick. And, and and once you can do all those disciplines of egg, you know, it sets you up really well for... for. now. The same applies for a soup kitchen, you know, when, when you've got those understanding of heat, you the understanding of whether you're making casseroles or stews or soups. It's all the same principle. You start off with a miripa, you start off with a base, and then you add your stock and your waters and stuff to that and so forth. So I think, you know, I, I, I still believe that, that's, uh, that that space sort of works together. And then, and then it's not a, you know, then you're not talking about charity and giveaways. Mm. Then you're talking about sort of, you know, future, uh, future young cooks. You know that that have a space. You know,
1: and I think that from what I saw, COVID did quite a couple of things to the restaurant industry. Not least of which was destroy jobs and closed down a whole lot of restaurants, etc. But what it also seems to have done is made people think about food, because there was a scarcity of food, and also what we noticed, what you and I also had a discussion about was the fact that people assume that this is a staple food and that's what they put in food parcels without giving any real thought to whether it's something they would cook for themselves and yep. that they would eat out of their own homes. Yep. So what do you think we can take out of COVID in terms of the social responsibility for food security as well as how that can link to a flourishing restaurant trade which employs lots of people and contributes to the economy? What are the, what are the lessons learned?
2: Yeah, um, it's so true what you say about you know not having an understanding of, of of what a hundred rand buys you, mm. you know, and how do you make a hundred rand work for you in a week. And a few, you know, obviously a lot of things happened on Instagram during or on social media during this this period. And and a group of cyclists actually got to, got together and said, okay, you know, we we are going to spend a hundred rand and and we watched sort of what everybody bought and and sort of put together, and it was a really interesting exercise, mm. you know. And um, <coughs> and that makes you aware of. Uh, sorry, just uh, I know it's not exactly answering your question, but it makes you aware of 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 a hundred rand of what a hundred rand can get you. And can you live off a hundred rand? Can you keep on buying that same those same products and live off that for for the rest of your life? And, you know, and the answer to that is is no, not really. You know, because there needs to be there needs to be variation in the diet and and and, and so forth for for proper growth. You know, so. You know, I I think the first thing that that lockdown uh, has taught us is is um, uh, uh, is to look at the nutrient intake of 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 product. We read labels, you know. We say, okay, how do we get the best for our bodies from for my hundred rand or whatever? So I think I think that's the first thing is is that that we we are a lot more aware of what we're putting into our bodies, you know, um, and and that's. Evident even from what I was doing on Instagram, with with watching people cook at home and uh, what they were posting and, and so forth, is that there was a you know there was a lot of thought that was that was put in. It wasn't just it wasn't just this this thing. Um, as social responsibility goes, it's it's made us as restaurateurs look very carefully at at how we can prevent this from happening and How do we make our staff less vulnerable? to this to this whole process, you know, that's the, probably the most important lesson. Without a doubt, is that, well, like what measures do we put in place so so that these people don't have to suffer like this again? You know, our teams. You know, th- we talk about our teams. Mm-hmm. Five and a half months later, you know. Um, so, uh, for me, that was that was the the, the most the most important uh, lesson from from it. You know, those two those two lessons for sure. Um, and. Uh, and now you know, we, start, we talk about training and how do, we get, how do we get the youngsters involved and everything else. The problem is our industry is in such a mess, where do these people then go to work? You know? um, I, feel, I, feel, I, f- I can't tell you how many DMs I've got of, on, on Twitter and Facebook and everything else of youngsters looking for work. They're in the industry. They've just got into the industry, they've just finished their studies and now they have nothing. You know, I think that's also <coughs> heartbreaking. <coughs>
1: And it's almost like COVID is actually peeling away people's courage to run these kinds of businesses because, I mean, it's a low profit margin, high risk business. Always it's has been. Of, it always has been hand-to-mouth kind of situation and the level of courage, I think, and also the working hours, and, I mean, it's it's it's, no, it's, no. it's a whole lifestyle, no, you no, know, this, for sure. this kind of work. And it's almost, I think, we, we're we losing good young people potentially to the profession because it's been been so difficult to manage.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, you know the 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 what people don't understand about our industry, about the hospitality industry, over the last years, our industry was in trouble before COVID. Mm-hmm. The restaurant industry was in a in a really bad space before COVID. You know, people weren't eating out as much. The the, the, the money wasn't that freely available, and uh, and if you wor- weren't looking after your restaurant, you'd you'd be in trouble. You know, when when COVID hit, for sure. You know, um, so. So now we found ourselves in, a, in an even more difficult space where, where a lot of restaurants have closed, a lot of people have lost their lost their jobs, and um, yeah, it's certainly not going to be any easier over the next couple of months. You know, we're definitely not out of this thing. Yeah. We definitely see what's happening in Europe. Not saying that we're going to go back to that. I'm I'm praying that we won't, and I'm I'm actually quite positive that we that we won't go back into that. Um, not that I know anything, but I'm just I'm just saying, you know, like I, like I feel quite confident that we that we are over the worst of it, but Europe certainly isn't, and 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 nowhere in the world really, and those are the people that we rely on to come to come in to us. So so we've we've got a difficult couple of months up, and we really have to look after our teams now, especially, and uh, and look after our people as best as best we can, you know.
0: So just in closing, um, you spoke earlier about the importance of um, your parents and cooking with your parents. And so often food is is very much a skill that's passed down from generation to generation. Mm. My daughters love to cook. Um, I don't know where they got it from, but not me. Um, and they, they have learned so much from their nonna, so they, they make pasta together. But it's it's not really only about the creation of, of making lasagna or, or making sipoli or tiramisu or whatever it is. Um, you must have learned in addition to the skills from, from your parents but from people around you. So um, what is one of the, the, the dishes that, that you've learned maybe from the inner city that you've learned from somebody in the inner city to cook yourself?
2: So I think, I, I want to go back to something quickly. I think this this working together, cooking together, spending time together around a, around a table and then sitting down together as a family is something that that has hopefully um, almost been reignited during lockdown. Like those conversations, whether they're arguments, whether we're laughing around the table, whether we're crying, at least we're communicating. You know? like haven't we just lost that over, over the years? You know? I remember as a, as a kid in, in Namibia, uh, at lunchtime we used to sit around the table together as a family and eat. You know, at dinner time, same thing, sit in the kitchen, you know, because obviously the, no, no, no phones, no TV, no (laughs) TV. It was the seventies, you know, it was just, mm, just conversation, you know. And, um, and that's, I think that's the, that was probably one of the most important things that happened for me was to see, because what I was doing, I was doing all these zoom links with, with corporates, you know, JP Morgan's apps, you name it, they're doing all these incredible links. And then I was able to watch what was going on. And then everybody would sit down afterwards after we've cooked together, they would sit down as families and eat, you know, and, and, I, and I was with, yeah, that was, I was witness to that, you know. So I think that's probably the, 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 the biggest reward that I, that I got out of that for sure. As a dish goes, um, yeah, I, I, for me, uh, as a staple, uh, lentils is a, is a, is a such a beautiful product to work with and, uh. Uh, and it's something that I've made before, or actually witnessed before, but a but a lentil babuti, Somebody made a lentil babooti, you know, and I just just she thought, she you know, it's, like today. oh my goodness, you know, such a such a great hearty dish there, and so much goodness in that with the egg and the protein and the, the stock. You know, it's like it's like a wholesome all round meal. And you, yeah, it it was almost a, a, a reconnect with a lot of products that we don't that we don't use enough of, you know, beans and lentils, beans you know, and lentils. pulses and lentils, like such valuable ingredients.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I uh-huh. use, use them an enormous amount. Yeah, so in, in closing out, if you look at the the meaning of food that it, that it has had in your life and what you would like it to give to other people, what has food meant?
2: Uh, food is my everything, you know food is why <coughs> food is why, uh, why I do what I do, you know and, and I think it's the food brings people together. Without a doubt, whether you're cooking together, whether you're eating it together around a table, whether it's my team at the restaurant where we, you know, we're sweating it out every day during service, that, that unbelievable thrill and pressure of service that's beautiful. Um, but it's always about bringing people together, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a family, whether it's a community, food is. and, and lockdown has showed that as well.
1: I had an aunt, one of, the, one of the people who taught me to cook over the years, and she said, you're standing in front of the hot stove anyway, make it taste and look nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> absolutely, and and Luke, you bear testament to that, because on your Themes Josie Facebook page, which is the kitchen that we've spoken about at Fight with Insight, and you send me those pictures every day, and I always look at these meals and think, wow, Luke, firstly I know they're nutritious, because that's important to you, but they look absolutely Absolutely mouthwatering. Well. So check out um, Deliciousness My Luke that we post every day. We're also going to be posting the links to to David's pages. Not that he needs them. Um, I think everyone knows David Higgs and, and the stuff that you're doing on your pages is amazing. But we're going to look out for the new cooking for a course. And David, thank you so very much for um, for your insights and wisdoms on World
1: Food Day. And thank you very much for your contribution to the young people of the city and Teng. I mean, you and I share a glorious connection, yeah. so we know each other from another life as well. And I know that takes an enormous amount of work as well. So thank you.
2: No, it's an absolute pleasure. So so lucky to be able to talk about these these uh, these issues because there are issues, you know, and then and then you dealing with. So thank you for the platform.
0: Thank you so much, David.
1: And then we just want to remind you all that we will be doing a cyberbullying. Trying to be kind uh, podcast on the 5th of November because it's actually interesting, we're talking about it now. There's actually an app David called Dinner Time that you can load on your phones. That switches all your phones off at dinner time, your parents, yours, etc. <laughs> the fact that we need such an app is what disturbs <laughs> me. <laughs> Ridiculous. It me too, because
0: I just say put your phones on the
1: inside no, table. No, the fact that we have to do that for us is a whole other story. But we do understand that young people live in the world of, of the cyber world, and we're going to be discussing that in quite great depth on the 5th of November. So please join us then. And happy listening.